ultimately is to bring awareness and make people you know, realize what's really going on in this country. San Francisco 49ers quarterback Colin Kaepernick explaining his decision to refuse to stand during the playing of the national anthem. There are a lot of things that are going on that are unjust, people aren't being held accountable for, and that's something that needs to change. Kaepernick says his actions are a protest against racism, police brutality, and what he sees as unfair treatment of communities of color in the U.S., His protest has brought a firestorm of criticism, but also support from other NFL players, mainly African-American, who have joined him in sitting or kneeling during the playing of the national anthem. So is his protest unpatriotic? Does it have merit? We'll take up those questions and much more with veteran Seattle sports writer Art Teal of Sports Press Northwest and University of Washington political science professor Christopher Parker, who has written extensively about race and politics. I'm Enrique Cerna. Patriotism, protests, and polarization, next on Conversations. Artio and Chris Parker, welcome. Good to have you here. Well, Art, let me begin with you. Um, the Kaepernick protests, how has it affected, I guess, the NFL and, I guess, other sports? Well, it's disturbed them, and it's wonderful. <laughs> um, a part of the uh, whole methodology and purpose of protest is to make the comfortable uncomfortable. And that's what we're seeing here. Uh, the NFL is very uncomfortable with this. Uh, Major League Baseball is becoming uncomfortable because uh, Baltimore center fielder and former M's farmhand Adam Jones called out the sport by saying it's a white man sport. There's only 8% uh, African-American players, and nobody wants to deal with this. And And he's right. They don't. The leagues don't want to do this because... They tend to want to wrap themselves in the flag as being a patriotic, all-American enterprise. And you see it with the giant flags uh, on the field before games or the military flyovers. And and it's a very important thing. And so anybody who clears their throat, as Kaepernick did, and says, ahem, is going to generate a lot of discomfort. And different teams are handling it in different ways. We saw how the Seahawks handle it Sunday and there we've seen other people with no responses at all or awkward ones. And so uh, cer- certainly from a writer's standpoint, this is wonderful drama. <laughs> well, let's, we'll talk more about the Seahawks and how they handled it or, or didn't really. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but Chris, let me turn to you. You, you wrote an article uh, for a publication called The Conversation. And you said uh, the title of it is Why Colin Kaepernick is Like George Washington. Yes. Uh, how so? <laughs> well, first of all, it's good to be here uh, next to Art Till. I've been listening to him for quite some time since I arrived in Seattle, so mm-hmm. pleasure to be here. So what I'd like to say is he's like George Washington in the sense that um, George Washington is seen as the consummate patriot. and But to the extent that patriotism is rooted in sacrifice, they're not really any different. Um, Think about the founding fathers and what they did. American patriotism, very specifically, is about descent from the crown, right? We are a a nation of 
Dissenters, this country was founded on dissent. So my whole thing was, if they're going to be pissed off at Colin Kaepernick, they need to, these people need to be pissed off at the founding fathers, too. So now we have a situation where it, it seems that um, at first, it, okay, how long this is going to last? He, maybe the next game he'll stand up or whatever. But, but it, it's grown, uh, if you look at actually what happened um, at the Seahawks game, now the Seahawks, you know, said in that first game, and it was happening on 9/11, that they were going to have some type of action. Ended up being this show of unity and locking arms. But if you looked on the other side of the field, in the Miami Dolphins, Arian Foster, their star running back, and I think three or four others, they ne- they were kneeling, hmm. and and I think in some respects that got overlooked. Well, I think it did. Uh, it was hard to spot. I was at the press box, and I was looking for the Seahawks, and I wanted to see what uh, – there was another aspect of what the Seahawks were doing that was interesting to me, which was they included the coaches and they included the staffers, the sideline personnel that are typically there, which I thought was also important because Pete Carroll got ahead of this very quickly, and he said, we like to be able to present something unified. And that was a very pragmatic thing, not necessarily a political or social thing, because he could anticipate this being very divisive on his team. And, of course, his team is first. But I give him credit for having some social consciousness about this because he wanted to have a demonstration that was not alienating. But the question is, was there anger there? Was was there an element of anger that would have advanced or perhaps even inflame the discussion, which is a lot, a lot of times where protesters wanted to go. And on the Miami side, they had no plan, no idea, and the four players knelt at the national anthem, and there were scattered similar protests at other NFL games. And so uh, anybody expecting cohesion or orderliness is really not understanding how protest works. It is organic. It will evolve. And to say where it's going to go now is really hard to predict. Well, it's interesting because now there's talk of some high schools and high school players that are interested in possibly doing this this as well. Um, but I want to come back to the way the Seahawks handled this. Uh, Chris, you were shaking your head in kind of disgust. <laughs> look, I mean, these guys make a lot of money. I mean, not to say, look, I'm not trying to get in another man's pocket, but a lot of these guys make a lot of money. I can see if one is the 53rd or 54 or even a 45th man on the roster not wanting to do this. But you got some players that make a lot of bank, and they can afford to do this, right? The One of the reasons why Colin Kaepernick is so celebrated, in my eyes, is that because he is risking a lot. Not only him, Brandon Marshall for the Denver Broncos, who also knelt on the first game of the season on Thursday night. He's suffering some financial repercussions, right? So if you have these athletes that are making these multi-million dollar contracts, how much is it really going to hurt them just to, I mean, just to act in some solidarity with one of their brothers beyond the fact that, you know, look at what was happening in the 1960s when Muhammad Ali, you know, resisted the draft, right? You had all these famous black athletes that came out. Jim Brown, at the time, Lou Alcindor, but now Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Bobby Mitchell. You had all these famous black athletes that Bill got Russell. out. And Bill Russell as well. They got out and they supported this man. 
right? And we see how we look at them now. I mean, these guys are all icons. And so sometimes you have to get out there. As Art said, protest is, is about disruption. Disruption is about making things uncomfortable for people, right? And so if you have your star athletes that are doing this, people have to listen. And I suspect part of this had to do with what Art said about Pete Carroll having the wherewithal to get out in front of this. But let's face it, Seattle is a military town. As much as people like to say Seattle's conservative, oh, this is a very, excuse me, liberal or progressive. This is a very military town with JBLM right down the street. Well, not that. And we also have Bangor and Kitsap County. And and yes, we we do depend on the military a great deal here. And and there's no doubt about that. Okay, but, but let's get down to this question. Protest patriotism. Is this unpatriotic and what, what's happening here? Um, it is not unpatriotic. It is very patriotic to do this because this is one of the uh, things protected in the Constitution. This is what um, – and I, I think one of the most interesting uh, offshoots of the Kaepernick protest was a Twitter hashtag called Veterans for Kaepernick. And this was uh, a group of veterans who are uh, in current service or retired who joined the Twitter debate by saying, we may not agree with Kaepernick or we may agree with him, but what part of our sacrifice is to protect these kinds of rights. And I think a lot of people will look to the, uh, uh, I think that the point you know, about Ali is very um, dramatically drawn because uh, he sacrificed three and a half years of his prime career for principle. And that is a very dramatic statement. He is willing to sacrifice his income because he believes, and basically this was, you know, he, he resented so much about the American culture and government at the time, but he stood here to argue for his beliefs. And the Supreme Court in 1970 upheld his view eight to nothing. And he, uh, he, his, the punishment he had was overturned. And that really, I think, was a transcendent moment in American cultural history because it defined the right to protest and still be patriotic. Uh, Ali was obviously, in his later years, a big part of the mainstream, but he wound up uh, I think setting the table for a lot of athletes after. Unfortunately, at least in my view, a lot of athletes have chosen not to take advantage of their platform. They've stayed quiet. They've understood that they've got big endorsement contracts yeah. and, and you have to be mainstream. So the issue of patriotism uh, here is a very difficult one because it's all in how we define the term. And everybody's got a different definition based on their relative success and place in the society. Chris, weigh in. I know this is a... <laughs> yeah, so I have a book that's going to be in production here real soon that's on patriotism, so I can speak ad nauseum on this. So first of all, I just want to uh, correct many people's misconception. This is not a First Amendment issue. A First Amendment issue is when the state is threatening to, exactly. to impinge upon your free street speech. So a lot of people say that. This is technically not a first first amendment issue second of all patriotism is also about pushing the country to make it realize its founding values right and this is thoroughly consistent with that view and people people can say that there are different versions of patriotism no it's not 
There's one version of patriotism, all of which point towards making the country realize its founding values, to the willingness to commit to these values, and furthermore, the willingness to sacrifice on behalf of these values, right? That's what patriotism is. There's no, there are no different definitions. Now, there are different interpretations of that, right? But there are no, there are no different definitions. You know, as this started happening, my first reaction, and I, I had kind of mixed feelings about this whole thing, but my first reaction was, why now with Kaepernick? And why the national anthem? Why did he not speak out earlier at a different time? Why wait now? I mean, well, this, we've had incidents going on here for, you know, months and years. And well, I think uh, in, in terms of him... And his social media activity, he's been out there. He has uh, communicated with people who were his followers, but it didn't track on, you know, mainstream media radar. So his position was no surprise to people who knew him and knew what he cared about. Um, and as far as this, uh, I, I th why now is because there's been episode after episode episode of violence, whether it's uh, with African-Americans towards police or police the other way, it has been a, a cumulative anxiety in the society to the point where players say, I've got this platform, I've got an audience, and the only place in the week-to-week -week culture of American sports where politics and sports intersect is the national anthem. It's where everybody stands. And, uh, and Kaepernick chose that intersection to do his protest. And it achieved, I think, at least uh, his plausible desire. It's got everybody talking. We're here. And we're doing this. Um, I had a wonderful experience uh, the other night. I had uh, a chance to host Kareem Abdul-Jabbar at a town hall event in which his new book, Writings on the Wall, has come out, and I would commend it to anybody who is listening to this podcast. It's a wonderful treatise. And Kareem was one of the great advocates in the 1960s, but nobody really knew about it. But as Lou Alcindor, at playing for UCLA, he sat out the 1968 Olympics. Those are the Olympics in Mexico City where Tommy Smith and John Carlos raised the gloved fist. And uh, Kareem sat out those games. He would have been the best player had he played. That was the uh, game where Spencer Haywood uh, starred. But uh, Kareem said that his research told him that Avery Brundage, the IOC um, chairman at the time, was complicit in getting the 1936 games to Berlin. He was a Nazi sympathizer. Uh, he, and, and that offended young Lou Alcindor, and he said, I don't want any part of putting money in this man's pocket. And I think maybe that goes back to some of the, uh, you know, okay, people wondering, okay, what, about Colin Kaepernick, and okay, what is his background, and what is uh, his uh, sensibilities and things like that, and maybe people don't know enough about him that, you know, that, that creates this image of like, well, he's just a millionaire player who's just doing this thing. Okay, so first of all, I mean, I'm sure Art knows more about uh, Colin Kaepernick's uh, background than I do. All I know is that he was, you know, he's biracial. He was adopted by a white family. He's he grew up middle class and now he's wealthy. So some people are telling him to shut up based on those things, right? He should feel fortunate and blessed that he's permitted 
to people say he's biracial. Well, you know what? In America, if you're biracial, you're black, right? If you got one drop of black in you, you are black. Look at how people see President Obama. He's biracial, but most of these idiots see him as black, right? So I just want to say that the fact that this guy is wealthy has nothing to do with it. Even though one is middle class or one can be wealthy, once people see you as black or associated with being black, you are treated as such. And it is not always a pretty sight. So he has reason to be upset. And I would argue even more reason to be upset because he is wealthy and because he's done everything like many middle class and upper middle class black folks, myself included. We have all played by the rules, but still we get treated all the same. Right. And it's just and it's just not right. And so there's this book, this this old book called Rage of a Privileged Class written by um, Ellis Coast that was published in the mid 1990s in which he's talking about why, why middle class and upper middle class blacks remain upset in spite of the fact that they've appeared to have made it. Right. It's because of the fact quote unquote, one has made it and have played by all the rules, gone to the right schools, served in the military, and one is still pulled out of one's car almost arbitrarily, you know, and treated as though one has committed a crime, even though one is just driving while black. People need to get people need to get a grip. I'm really trying to keep this clean right now. People need to get a grip. <laughs> Abdul Jabbar, I would uh Kareem when in doing the interview that you did what was his take? What did he say about Kaepernick? Well, I think he uh, applauded Kaepernick's effort to try to, um, you know, uh, bring attention to this because he, uh, Abdul-Jabbar is a proponent of athlete activism and he understands that people have to risk things at times and it, it can be a difficult choice, especially if you're a young man who's come to sudden wealth by advancing into the pro game uh, and you suddenly have a whole lot of people with their hands out uh, wanting, you know, a piece of your action and then to do something that has potential to jeopardize that revenue stream, they have to think long and hard. And I think that's one of the reasons why this thing is potentially very divisive within teams. I just talked to Earl Thomas today and I asked him because, uh, Earl is the safety for the Seahawks who was at the, the protest, linked the arms. And Pete Carroll suggested that one of the reasons that Earl played poorly may have been the distractions of the week prior, because Earl said we had a big team meeting that we never have to discuss this issue. And that kind of thing is anathema to any professional sports coach who has got a priority of winning the next game. That's the priority. So this is, I think, still unfolding how this happens. I, I think it's somewhat behind the Se Seahawks now, but if, an, if a player in that locker room who said that was not in that gesture last Sunday was not enough. We need to do something more strident, more dramatic, more impactful. That could be another outcome. Jeremy Lane had sat before. Right. He stood. Uh, he stood with everyone. Yes. And again, how much peer pressure was there for him to go along? How many of these young men have stifled the urge to be more dramatic, to join Kaepernick in being out there and risking a lot. We don't know. Uh, and I don't know that we could ever pull these players to get an honest answer, but that's part of the dynamic that's, I think, going to continue to cause tension in sports teams. But it's all also coming at a time when we are in the midst of a presidential election, when there is plenty of uh, division there, and the country is seemingly more and more divided than ever. Uh, reflective of what has happened. Well, I don't really think 
people are reflect people are taking one side or the other. This is perhaps the most polarizing presidential election like I mean like ever. If you really think about what's at stake, who are the who are the candidates that are contending? I mean, I think actually I've written about this as well. Ever since President Obama was elected, the evidence suggests that race relations has gotten progressively worse. Right. And there are various and sundry reasons for that. And I'm happy to go over that stuff in a different form because it would just take too we'll much come back time. And talk about yeah. That. Yeah, yeah. But but the fact that this is happening during such a polarizing um, election year, um, this is only going to continue to add fuel to the fire. I mean, this this could not have come at, if you will, a worse time. And there's reason to suspect that that because President Obama was elected, race relations have gotten progressively worse, which suggests that maybe the racial climate in which we're currently living is is causing or at least has something to do with the increased violence against black people. And I I, I just wanted to uh, add something to that point. Uh, Abdul Jabbar in his book addressed this thing and he called it the Obama effect. And he called it uh, his his definition of that was that uh, a lot of white people who saw the election of a black president to be the pivot point in a post racial society were sadly mistaken because it continued to polarize the country rather than bring people together there and and, and especially there were white people who thought well isn't this over now we have a black president mm-hmm. it's not over you know it, it it may have made things as you mentioned Chris even more difficult. Well, I want to point out here, too, that our country's demographics are changing, which uh, is also reflective of could, could be fear among those who are have been part of the mainstream and the majority. Um, National Football League, and if you look at sports, uh, you know, majority black players for the most part, but yet the, the coaches, not so much, mm-hmm. you know, and being an issue. So where does this go? Where do we go from here? Um. So, you know, I think that I mean this this has this has the potential, as Art mentioned a few moments ago, to really be a polarizing element on various and sundry sports teams, like especially in the NFL and NBA, right? Um, because the star athletes, especially in the NBA, are black. And, you know, Victor Oladipo, I think he still plays for the Magic, said that, oh, yeah, there are going to be black players that do protests. Let's not mistake that. This is going to be supported in, in the NBA as well. So one has to think about it like this. So even among black players on the same team, forget about the white players, right? Mm-hmm. What about the black players that are on the same team? Black players who support this and other black players who don't want to support this. This could be an intra racializing, polarizing moment as well. Yeah, there is, uh, I would hesitate anybody to, uh, uh, who wants to jump to conclusions about where this is going to go, because there hasn't been this kind of, uh, I guess, sort of an electric dynamic that can be polarized in sports, at least since the, the 1960s. And, uh, and even then, th- this could transcend it because of the political environment. And because we are already so polarized and it's going to be a difficult management effort on the part of all pro sports teams, at least, you know, again, the the wider world is also impacted by this. Uh, I know the sports world a little better, but the the point being that uh, I think probably Carol in trying to get out ahead of this and offering a way forward makes a little bit of difference managing for him. Now, is he going to be solving anything? No, he doesn't have an ambition to solve anything, but he does have an ambition to keep a team together and working in a direction that they can all deal with. We've talked about this, and it seems it's almost been a little bit more negative, but uh, 
hasn't the positive been that uh, Colin Kaepernick managed to open the door so that this has come to light and the fact that this, this conversation is is not going away. And I would uh, that brings up a point. I, I liked your George Washington analogy, Chris, but I, I also began thinking about that, and I said, you know, George Washington had, at that time, he had stature and prestige and was a military leader. I wonder if the analogy to Colin Kaepernick might not be Rosa Parks, and not just because they both sat down. Uh, it's, it strikes me that she was a citizen who was not active in the civil rights movement, but she chose to sit where she wanted to and ignited a national debate. And that may be the more direct analogy to what's happening. This is a citizen activist who became a citizen activist, I should say, because of a simple gesture. And Kaepernick has done that same thing. He had standing of being a pro football quarterback, but he had no standing as a, a civil rights advocate, at least among those who weren't following his social media postings. So that may be what uh, we see here, and we should do our historical research to find out where that discussion went and how like or unlike this is. Well, I think one thing it may be, be doing more than anything else is really uh, having us have a conversation as we are right now about what is protest in this country and what is patriotism. Yeah, so, yeah, so protest is, if you ask me or anyone, you know, who's done some reading, even cursory reading, patriotism is completely consistent with protest. Once again, that's why I want to go back to the founding fathers, right? Um, because they were essentially protesting. Right. And people always want to say that the founding fathers were the ultimate patriots. Well, you know, if people know their history, this country was founded on dissent. Patriotism is not about this. My country, right or wrong or America, love it or, or leave it. No, that's not patriotism. That's nationalism. Right. Which is completely and utterly separate from patriotism. Patriotism is about love, commitment and sacrifice for the founding values. Nationalism is, is more like. Our country is better than your country. America is exceptional. No, patriotism and nationalism are completely separate. The professor. Great point. <laughs> Great point. We all are learning. Yeah. You mentioned something earlier to me before we got started here about Bobby Wagner. You talked to him about Well, yeah, issue? I just— uh, From the Seahawks. He's a linebacker. Bobby Wagner attended this town hall event, and he really wanted to get a connection with Kareem. And so I got him in the green room with Kareem to talk about things. And, and one of the things he said, which kind of addresses the potential for a future here, Kareem is an advocate of athletes using their platforms to attempt to build a bridge between community groups and authority, the police. He wants to get these people who each, each side feels physical threat, a, a real danger to their physical well-being. And it's gotten even more dramatically apart. And uh, Kareem's message to Bobby, and uh, one that Bobby takes to heart, is that if, if the players can use their platform to get out in the street and connect with community groups and perhaps be the catalyst to introduce that community group to the police or vice versa, to get a dialogue going so that there is at least some semblance of understanding on both sides, perhaps a little respect develops between both sides, and most importantly, to listen, to listen to the other side. And that was Kareem's message to Bobby. It seems he's taking it to heart, and uh, Doug Baldwin was just out 
Tuesday There's at a the community guy. event uh, yeah. who, where he uh, presented a check to a police officer who has been uh, very uh, dramatically involved in uh, community events and trying to um, take the demonization a, a little bit away from the cops and have the cops try to be a little human and understand where their false cues are and the mistakes that they're making in police work that could be corrected with no loss of law enforcement, but with an appreciation of the other side. It's interesting that uh, it seems like uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar has become the elder statesman, <laughs> really a statesman yes. in sports and with his writing and things, extremely thoughtful. I am so impressed this. with what he's done. And uh, not only has he lived history, he's making history. Right. Art Theo of Sports Press Northwest and University of Washington political science professor Christopher Parker. Thank you so much for your time and this conversation. Appreciate it. We're going to have more about this, no doubt, in the future. I'm Enrique Cernan, and we'll talk more later.